Yes, Ralph. Welcome back to another episode. Well, I'm glad to be here. It's a beautiful day. Um, the weather is improving. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had a lot of wet weather. Yes. Windy weather. So, if you're new to the show, my name is Rafael Ruiz, and we always, uh, uh, for some reason, start with the weather, and now we move to tell you what is this show about. Yeah. Just a fast explanation, just in case, by, by accident, you found us somehow. It is possible. Yes, maybe some alien conspiracy theory can explain yes. why did you find yes. us. Or did you? This or did the, you, yes. This is the question. You know. So we're a, a podcast that talk about science, science fiction, technology, uh, technology conspiracy theories, uh, all kind of uh, things related to this. Yeah. And today we have a, a show that we have been wanting actually to do since some time ago. For some time. And today's title of the show is Blue Peel or Red Peel. Yeah. I think we all know what we're talking about here. I, I think everybody must know right now that we're talking about Uh, living in a simulation, yes. about the Matrix, about this concept. Yes, around this concept of simulated realities. Yes. Are we living in reality? Are you in front of me? <laughs> uh, well, I am at the moment. At the moment. <laughs> But like you were saying before, what if I suddenly turn my head and I don't see you? Are well, you there? Yes, we were, we were talking just before we started uh, recording that um, how I said to Rafa, how do you know when you're walking down the street that what is behind you actually exists? How do you know? How do we know? So, first of all, let's start with some definitions and origins about this. I think so. Shall I? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the this idea about discussing reality and whether it's an illusion... Um, or what underlies reality, has a long philosophical and scientific history, and it goes all the way back to Greek philosophy. And in fact, um, Plato mm -hmm. had a story that he made called um, Something About a Cave, which I think we'll discuss next week uh -huh, more. Uh -huh. But um, we are talking about, we've got two or three thousand years of yakking on this subject completely um but more recently um a british philosopher called nick bostrom of the uh, future of humanity institute in oxford england in 2003 he published a paper called provocatively uh -huh. are you living in a simulation and and this actually set off a um a whole new debate on the subject. And Nick Bostrom came up with what, for the first time I've ever come, come across it, is something called a trilemma. I'd heard of a dilemma, uh -huh. but not a trilemma. trilemma. Right? And the trilemma was that he came up with these three propositions and he said that only one of these propositions can be true. Uh -huh. So... If we just quickly run through what those propositions yes. are, the first one is the fraction of human-level civilizations that reach a post-human stage. And what we mean by that is one, in this context, one capable of running high-fidelity simulations of their history uh -huh. is very close to or is zero. So that's, yeah. that's one proposition. Mm -hmm. 
The next proposition that could be true is that the fraction of post-human civilizations that are capable and interested in running ancestor simulations is very close to or is zero. Now, the final proposition, number three, the fraction of all people with our kind of experiences that are living in a simulation is very close to one. Now, this is probabilities. So one is 100% dead certain. Mm-hmm. So one of those three probabilities or propositions is true. So the question is, which one, which one? Which one do you think is true, listeners? Let us know which ones you think is true. That's an interesting question. It is a very interesting question, and we're just going to kind of now talk around this subject um, because, of course, this is the first part of the mm-hmm. treatment of the subject, and we're covering all kinds of yes. diverse stuff. And this brings us back uh, to the first question that we ask now presenting the show. Yeah. Are we living in a simulation? I don't, are you asking me? You and everybody that is listening. Well, I, I have to say the the program is called Blue Pill, Red Pill. Yes. Now I have to, I'm going to admit to you now that I have taken a red pill in the past, but it turned out to be an iron supplement. So <laughs> I don't think that counts, right? No. It wasn't the red pill we were thinking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but I think you have managed to dig out some... Conspiracy theories around this subject, Rafa. Yes, well, we have the mo- one of the first ones that uh, it's, uh, I don't know if we could call it more uh, real. It's the famous fluoride <laughs> conspiracy. At number one. Is yeah, number fluoride one. Fluoride conspiracy. Yes. And that was uh, something that uh, people were saying about the excess of fluoride in products and even in the water. This is a mass control kind of conspiracy, isn't it? So the conspiracy says that we are drinking water and a lot of things with fluoride, mm. which fluoride is making humans or uh, people be, uh, how can we say? Um, passive, passive, more passive. Passive, like dormant, like... Let's not forget it is good for your teeth. That's that's true. So it's not all bad. Right? We get something good out of it, right? Yeah, we may be being mass control, but our teeth are... Now, this is also interesting because mm. uh, there's people that do actually believe that we have uh, been under control through fluoride. And mm. that the most... Uh, the uh, And even there's people that say that our dreams are affected by this. Oh, my goodness. That usually... Uh, you re- you remember your dreams when you are with less amounts of fluoride in your uh, right? in the, the daily ingesting, yep. and the fact that you can remember your dreams the, and related to this lucid dreaming right. states mm-hmm. where you can actually tell the difference between reality and dreams, dreaming, and right. that's why some people also relate this to being: are we actually living the reality or not? And or, that if we are being controlled through the fluoride, and how are we controlled to not ask questions or, you know, be more passive in general against... Uh, right. Well, of course, we are living through, certainly in Western, uh, quite a number of Western <clears throat> cultures, we are living through a period of um, vastly decreased crime levels. Mm-hmm. How's that happened? Well... Does that play into the... 
Blue-eyed conspiracy, or I mean, I've got a feeling, and I haven't really looked into it, but I'm I'm willing to accept that fluoride as a chemical or a drug. Well, let's say it's a chemical. Uh, I'm willing to accept that in certain dose levels, it probably does have these pacifying effects. But mm-hmm. It is. So- Some people say that actually that's why uh, cases of uh, cancer and other stuff. Uh, Uh, started to to appear that the rate of this kind of things is bigger because of the excess of fluoride. Well, I find that hard to believe because if you I know if you actually look at the um, history of cancers, it actually kind of started to increase around the industrial revolution. Exactly. So it's environmental, isn't it? A lot of it, although you could say of it, but. Mm-hmm. This is a conspiracy, so... Exactly, this is the point, that this is a conspiracy theory, and we would like to ask people, what do you think about it? Mm. You know, if you have more information about it, or if you have something yeah. else to share about this, yeah. maybe you're a doctor and would say, you know, it's not true, or yeah. yes, it can cause this or that effect. And is pacification a price worth paying for better dental health? Uh-huh, uh-huh. I think is another point, not a very serious one. So, actually, it was mentioned in this uh, theory uh, how also German and Russian uh, uh, prisoner camps were using this during World War II. Oh, uh, really? Yes. Um, making the prisoners, like they were calling it, stupid and docile. Yeah. Uh, giving uh, water with sodium fluoride. Really? And The jury's out on that. Yeah, one. exactly. And let's move on to number two. Number two, which is... What if everything you were taught was a lie? A lie. Mm. And mm, once again. This is difficult, this one, isn't it? Yes, because... Because uh, we could be lying. Exactly. All the story or history that we know, everything is a lie. Yeah. That instead of being uh, educated, we have been indoctrinated. Right. This is a bit kind of 1984-ish, isn't it? Yes. Kind of... Um, That, that our perception of reality has been actually indoctrinated since yeah. centuries ago. That the history, the way we perceive, has been pushed. That is one big conspiracy, right? Yeah. Um, There's a lot of people involved in that. Of course. I mean, this is on the equivalent level of uh, moon landings being fakes. And, Fame, yeah. And the fact that 300,000 people had to participate in the conspiracy. Which is yeah. Bit, pushing um, it a bit. Uh-huh. And actually, one of the things what, is, what are the what are the uh, what are the what are the proposers citing as evidence? Uh, out of place artifacts is the first one. Right. Uh, examples are, of course, everybody will guess py- uh, the pyramids. But right. for example, there was a case in Illinois, in the state in the U.S., uh-huh. where they uh, excavated excavated that. 200,000-year-old bronze coin mm. from 440 feet uh, outside of the Chillicothe, Illinois, according to the, you know, geological... Uh, 100, 114, yeah. yeah. And the deposits or whatever they digged out, dug out, was containing a coin that uh, they are... Well, actually, this is a big difference, but when you think about also 200,000 years, mm. it's a lot of time. And... Mm. According to them, then you question yourself if both lines of uh, origins, meaning Bible and evolutionary Darwinism, yeah. are correct or not. 
Why are we even because having that there discussion? Are, because there are... Uh, are you kidding me? What, creationist yeah. nonsense? Of course, I know. Uh, but it's part of their argument. You know, that both lines are actually wrong. I think if you, if an argument depends on that, it's pretty weak. Yeah. Obviously. And of course, they also claim that actually TV was created by the... Uh, by uh, governments to control and induce uh, <laughs> thoughts on you so right. you uh, tweak your vision of reality. Right. Well, I I can fully get, and I, in a way, I agree that television can be used to do social engineering. Oh, completely. There's no doubt it's about that. It's a big that. influence on, on society, actually. That, I think there's no doubt about that. Yes, I think there is no doubt. We think, I think we can all accept that to a greater or lesser degree. Mm-hmm. Um, whether, well, as I said to you before we did the recording, maybe um, in the beginning that uh, the TV programs had already been made, they had just no way to show them to people. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So that's why television was invented. <laughs> but uh, being more serious. Yeah. Uh, so what these people and these theories are saying is, uh, then where is the truth? And mm. who you should be believing? Mm. Well, How can you prove that it's actually the truth? Again, is it... There have been various theories put forwards about if we must come back to literature, if we look at 1984 uh-huh. and the con- the book... Uh, and the concept of Big Brother, and the concept there with television that uh, people had televisions, and I think it was mandatory that they had to watch television every night. And uh-huh. basically the television was watching them, right? Which clearly has no relation to modern computers with webcams in them. I would not make that connection. Uh-huh. But um, you could imagine, could you not that we've talked before about subliminal messages Uh that are visual where um, the human uh, brain can only respond to images that I think are present for a 25th of a second. Mm -hmm. If they're less than that, we don't register them visually, but we... The information is registered. Consciously is being perceived then. Now, you could... If you look at television, you could maybe think, okay, well, maybe you could do that. But there's another thing you could do, which is, I'm pretty sure there's an equivalent with sound, which is mm-hmm. that there is an frequencies. Od- well, there's an audio level mm-hmm. below which maybe you don't you don't hear anything. Well, you don't think you don't register anything. Yeah, but, but maybe you do. It can still go in there. So maybe we're being lectured at all the yeah. time. Brings me back to that. F- The movie. They live, right? They live, yeah, yeah. Everybody has to watch the movie. You watched it, right? I watched it, yes. It was good, wasn't it? It's really good, yeah. It's very good. Maybe we're being shouted now by big speakers and we don't even see them and are... Exactly. Obey, obey the government. Stop it. (laughs) Don't think. I'm I'm becoming faint. (laughs) So so that was the everything's a lie thing. I think the evidence for that is pretty, pretty thin. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. And then we come to number number three. four three is uh, <laughs> I, I I can see what you did there. Yeah, you see what I did there, right? Yeah, it's our universe fake, and this is uh, a little you know it, it was a news published by the Daily Mail mm-hmm. in the UK, which is known for uh, accurate news. 
And I'm, I'm being sarcastic there. Yeah. They're saying that physicists claim we mm. could all be the playthings of an advanced civilization. Mm. But so this goes a lot with your first... Uh, this actually maps back into the... The theories that you just mentioned. Yeah, the simulation. The simulation. So the, the concept there then is, if I could take this one, uh-huh. the concept there is that um, basically, as we know... Um, Currently, we have Moore's Law, which is that computing power is doubling approximately every 18 months. This has been a fact Mm -hmm. uh, since the very early 60s when the first chips were developed. And it is still just about true and will continue for maybe another 10, 10, maybe 15 years. Now, the reason why it's coming to an end is because the structure sizes of uh, um, chips, the the actual um, elements, the active elements on chips, uh, the scale of them is getting down to micron levels. Well, it is in micron levels. And I think we're currently at about six micron structure size. Now, I believe we are heading towards four microns, but beyond mm-hmm. four microns, there are lots yeah. and lots of problems. And this is why there's so much research now in looking at uh, graphite, um, um, using graphite as yeah. uh, this kind of material, because that would be something like a 1,000 or a 10,000 fold decrease in structure size. Mm-hmm. Speeds of processors would explode right at this point. Mm-hmm. Now, it's still not possible at the moment, but we're heading in that direction. So imagine that process continuing over, I don't know, let's say 300 years, right? So let us say that in 300 years' time or 150 years' time, we have true... The capacity to make... Well, true scaled quantum computing, right? Which yeah. is... Can, can run unbelievable problems and... Um, processes at incredible speeds. So the idea is that at some point a computing substrate is developed that can essentially allow simulation down to atomic scale. Mm -hmm. So basically you can create a simulated reality, simulated universe, Mm -hmm. and you use it to probe the history of your civilization, mm-hmm. for example. So the the idea of um, Nick Bostrom's uh, proposition is that if that is possible at some future point, then that leads to the conclusion that we are almost certainly living in that simulation, uh-huh. which is like, Wow. The problem is, it is, scientists have looked at how could we probe whether that was true or not. And, mm-hmm. and next week in the second part of the program, we're actually going to talk about some experiments that have been been done. And we're going to have a special guest again. We are going to have a special guest, a, a, a regular on our program. Yes, he participated before. Professor Pop. Holia Pop from the Babish uh, Boy University. Yeah, he's a computer scientist. Uh, in this instance, we're interested in his computer science mm-hmm. background. And we'll be talking about some of these things. 
Yes, and talking about uh, simulating mm. uh, realities and things, I was watching last week mm-hmm. uh, Leo Laporte, and suddenly one news catch my attention, mm-hmm. and it's this thing called the void, the void, the void, the void, loving, and it's like having the uh, hollow. Uh, holodeck. Holodeck. It's kind of a holodecky type concept, isn't it? Yes. It's Um, a whole uh, space, like a... It's an environment. Like a warehouse uh, adapted to be like an environment for... uh, They call it hyper-reality. And in fact, it's augmented reality, but obviously very high definition, isn't it? Yes. So essentially you're walking through... It's using similar technologies. Actually, it's like the... The new uh, HoloLenses that have been, uh, the Oculus Rift and this kind of things. Well, the Oculus Rift is VR, virtual reality. This is a similar thing based on that technology. uh, It is, isn't it? Yeah. So basically in this space, this warehouse type space, you have solid walls Walls. and other things, but, and that gives you the tactile. With 4D, they call it 4D environmental. exactly. So you can feel textures, you can feel, uh, for example, water. But that's because. But that is because, of course, feeling textures is because there are actually surfaces. And they are there. And the the surfaces that they have are matched to the reality that they're simulating. Uh So that you can actually touch a wall that you can see. And they can interact with controls and with things in front of them. Yeah. And there is a video you will see now in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, you can go down and check it and click it and see it. Uh, the demo video, let's say. Yeah, it looks very impressive. It's impressive. Like we were saying, like, let's get a ticket and go well, there. Well, we already want to move to Utah, don't we? Which is yeah. where it is. And If uh, they wanted to invite us, we would, um, mm-hmm. we would certainly go. Maybe that was a message from them. Maybe. They're already telling us, come on. Yes. Collect your tickets at the airport. Uh huh. Uh huh. It's like the 21st century version of Westworld. Remember that? Yeah. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yul Brynner. Good God. And uh, they start to pair, let's say, mm-hmm. make deals very smart, actually, mm-hmm. with uh, movies. Of course. And yes. studios to create like virtual reality games based on the movies. And the yeah. first one, one of the first ones, is the Ghostbusters. Yeah, the new one, right? Yes, where you go with your... Uh, because you have to put a helmet, the Raptor. Yeah. It's called... They call them the Raptor. The Raptor. Helmet. And they have also a... A, a, a body vest, thing, yeah. A body vest where it can monitor and censor all your moves. And I presume it can pick up maybe other people shooting you and all Exactly, that stuff, everything. And they have also a gun. Well, yeah. the, this oh, testing was with a gun. I was going to say, did we mention there were guns? Yes. And it's a... Let's say a first-person shooter. Let's put type it, now. Let, let's admit that this is a man thing, right? Totally. I've got a feeling all these developers are men. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there was, would be a huge line of, uh, yeah. you know, uh, well, we're willing to go right? enthusiasts. They're <laughs> getting in line to get yeah. in, and all I can say is, God bless America. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe we can talk to the void. They could invite us go there. Actually, it'd be and make a whole a whole it would be wonderful story about it. And we shouldn't think of doing a podcast so, about this, right? Maybe we can make a podcast even there. Don't while using the equipment. Oh, sitting in Mars. We're looking sitting in a in a, in a 
virtual reality environment. We must, Wouldn't that be amazing? We must look into that. Actually, that sounds a blast. That sounds incredible. We that sounds amazing. I'm convinced. I want yeah. to do that. Yeah. So what else have we got on the... Oh, that's it, really. The conspiracies yeah. are... And this thing, this new game, The, the Void. The Void. That, uh, really, go check it out. Have we check the links there. Have we mentioned that enough? Do you think? Uh, no, maybe we have to mention it more, and maybe we can get an invitation. <laughs> We're not being paid to mention the no, void, not at all. But we just like doing yes. it. Yes. So if you want, just check the void. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to talk about a few now, books, books which we always Certainly. like to cover, right? And yeah. shall I do the first one? Yeah, go ahead. Now this book. And this author is one of my all-time favorite authors. I've read all of his books. Um, Uh And, of course, I've read this one, which is a Philip K. Dick book. It was um, released in 1959, and it's called Time Out of Joint. And the actual name of the book is actually a reference to a line um, uttered by a character in the Shakespeare play Hamlet. And um, time, out, time Out of Joint is all about this character, Ragel Gum. And Ragel believes that he lives in the year 1959 in a quiet American uh-huh. suburb, right? Yeah. Now, you're already probably beginning to get feelings of the Truman Show here. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure this is where the Truman Show, the movie, came from. And basically... Uh, Ragel has a very unusual uh, occupation or profession. Basically, this is typical Philip K. Dick. Uh-huh. His, his profession <laughs> he, uh, consists of repeatedly winning the cash prize in a local newspaper competition called Where Will the Little Green Man Be Next? That's a great title. <laughs> it's a great title. And he that's how he makes a living, by winning that prize every week and what actually happens is he over time he begins to suspect as you might that all is not what it seems Mm -hmm. and what actually it turns out is that his reality inverted commas is induced and he slowly begins to plot to escape and Actually, the truth, and I don't want to. I don't want to spoil the book because I totally recommend people go and read this book and other Philip K. Dick books. Um, the truth behind why he's being induced with this simulation is even weirder than I care to tell you in this program. <laughs> it is bizarre, but that is Philip K. Dick for you. So yeah. So I don't know. Do you want to just? Touch on the next one. Yes. Uh, the next one is called uh, Simulacron. Simulacron 3. Yeah. By Daniel F. Galoia. Galoia. Something like that. 1964. I haven't read, I haven't read this book. Mm, me either, but it, actually it was also published as Counterfe- uh, Counterfeit, Counterfeit World. World. Yeah. And it's the story of a virtual city, a uh, whole uh, environment, uh, simulator, environment uh, simulator. Mm. Uh, which was used for marketing research. Yeah. That's an interesting application. Again, right? sounds a bit like the Truman Show, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, well once again. Truman Show. Truman Show, yeah. We should put that movie for people to watch as well. We should have. Uh, well, <laughs> it's endless, right? 
Oh, completely. Anyway, go on. And it was developed by scientists to reduce the need of uh, for opinion polls. Yeah. Why not just run a simulation and find out what the hell is going to happen? Yeah, exactly. Instead of just trying to ask people. It makes me. a lot of sense, right? Mm-hmm. So this computer-generated city, it was so well-programmed that although the inhabitants have their own consciousness, they were unaware, except for one. That they are only electronic impulses in a computer. Yeah. Uh, inter- interesting for me for this book and the Philip K. Dick book uh-huh. is that th- these books are kind of pre-computing. Yeah. Right? I mean, this one, uh, Simulacron 3, 1964. 64. Now, you know, computers in 1964... We're big. Right? Yeah, we're uh, a full room with one. And, and my wristwatch probably has more computing power than what was than there. what was then. And of course, the Philip K. Dick book from 1959. Uh-huh. Um, you know, this is you know it's quite visionary stuff, isn't it? Really. But we have a third book. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Go ahead. Now this is another one of my favourite authors. Yeah. A British author. I think you like I know. this guy uh-huh. as well. Uh-huh. Ian M. Banks. I've actually met him, although he's Whoa. although he's now unfortunately moved on from this this yes. plane of existence. I think you have mentioned before, no, to us that in, even in the podcast that you met him before. Yeah, and no, I have a signed uh, book of his. Uh-huh. Um, I've forgotten which one it is now. I've got so many. Um, but anyway, this book of Ian M. Banks was published in 2004. It's called The Algebrist. And, uh-huh. and the premise of the book is that uh, it's set in the... Uh, 4,034, which is uh-huh. some distance into the future, obviously. Um, and there is a religion that is in this universe, uh, this universe that uh, Ian M. Banks imagined, which is um, a religion that believes that the truth is that the universe is virtual. And as we say, the... Uh, the novel takes place in 4034, um, and the uh, universe is largely ruled by a, a, feudal, a feudal hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a religious zeal to rid the galaxy of artificial intelligences, which they consider are to blame for a previous devastating war. And I think this book... Um, kind of, in a way, reminds us of another series of books that uh, Ian M. Banks um, created, which was all about the culture, which is another imagined universe where uh, there is an advanced civilization, yeah. relies heavily on artificial intelligence. Uh-huh. And I think I think these two kind of imagined realities are related: the culture and this, the algebraist. Again, Ian M. Banks, very, very clever writer and uh, highly recommended. So, should we move on to some movies? The right? most famous movie in this sense. In this whole thing, right? The Matrix. Yeah. The Matrix, it's... Uh, I, th- no. I, don't, I don't even know if it's necessary to explain what's the story about, but we have to mention that... Uh, well, is this guy a regular hacker yeah. that starts to discover uh, that 
Or he suspects. Or suspects, yes, because uh, that we live in a kind of a dream world. Well, he becomes suspicious through certain things that happen. Yes, happening and so on. They even touched this point uh, across the movie also about um, déjà vu. Yes. Usually a déjà vu is a, yeah. is a, 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 an error in the Matrix. Yeah, yeah. So and you're actually remembering uh-huh. an earlier... Repeat or you're repeating, repeating, thing, right? uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, which is uh, quite clever. Yes. So this guy uh, Neo, hmm? Neo, which is a yeah. hacker, meets Morpheus. Yeah. Morpheus is the main uh, or the guy that takes Neo out of the Matrix, hmm. and that's why also our show is called like that: Blue Pill right. or Red Pill. Blue, blue. And I can't remember which one was the one that what uh-huh. g- what. Which one got you out of the Matrix? Uh-huh. Which one was it, the blue uh, I will not say it. You won't? No, because I will ask... That's dangerous. No, I will ask the the listeners. Yeah. Tell us, if you know... Which what, pill? Which pill was a good one? And you will win nothing um. other than our admiration. Oh, we can mention the name of the person that makes it right the first time, right? Of course we'll do that. The first one. Yeah. First one to come. And, of course, I think what is one of the things that led to the success Uh of The Matrix, other than it being a very expensive film and stunning special effects for the period, Uh was, of course, it came out in 1999. And I think that whole millennium vibe was going on then, right? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, potentially the world was going to end in two thousand. In two thousand, because of the uh, Millennium Bug, uh-huh. which turned into nothing. Nothing, right? It became the Millennium Hoax. Yeah, is <laughs> <laughs> now a conspiracy theory. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but a lot of people made a lot of money out of it. Of course. Um, so yeah, so uh, the Matrix. I can't imagine any of our listeners haven't seen that film. Uh, Although I, I have to confess, I haven't seen Forrest Gump, and everybody I know seems to have seen that film. Which one? Forrest Gump. You haven't seen Forrest I Gump? I have not seen Forrest Gump. You have to see that movie. Um, actually, I don't, because I've talked to that many people about it. I almost feel as if I have watched it without watching it. So, No, that cannot be. I cannot, come on. So if, if I make the reference to somebody, run, Forrest, run, do you know what I mean? But if you say what? To somebody, run, Forrest, run. Uh, yeah. You know exactly what I mean. People have told me that, yeah. I've, you know, I've I've had so many discussions about it and I just keep saying <laughs> I've never seen that film. I don't know why I've never seen it. It's just one of those things. I'm just putting it out there, right? Yeah, okay. Um, I feel better now, actually. Uh-huh. I feel as if... It's a, it's a relief. It's a weight. Yeah. Uh, the room seems brighter somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So anyway, that's The Matrix. Now, the next one, your turn. Shall I do this one? Yeah. Um, have you seen this one? Uh, no. You should see it. It's actually quite good. It's called The 13th Floor, and it also uh, came out in 1999. Hmm. Uh-huh. It actually, I think it did reasonably well at the box office, but didn't have the, shall we say, the money thrown at it or necessarily the production values of The Matrix. But nevertheless, still a good movie about this subject. And the director is Joseph Rusnak. I'd just like to mention one thing about going back to The Matrix for a second. Uh huh. Um, here's something you may not know. But this movie was made by the Wachowski brothers, right? 
Uh-huh. These brothers are transgender, right? Seriously? Seriously. They are I didn't no, know that. They are now literally the Wyskowski sisters. They've both become transgender. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Just okay. a little interesting side point there. Uh-huh. Has nothing to do with the Matrix, right? Uh, I, who knows? They wrote... They wrote the uh, script, uh-huh. the screenplay, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when you write stuff, personal experiences yeah. uh, come through, right? But anyway, the 13th floor, quick synopsis. A man wakens up, wakens up, awakens. <laughs> awakens. Sorry about that. Uh, a man awakens to discover a bloody shirt in his house and his boss has been murdered the night before. Mm. The question is, did he do it, and why can't he remember doing it? Yeah. And basically, the 13th floor is a sci-fi thriller, and it explores the possibility of a computer-simulated universe. And the 13th floor that it uh, refers to a is... A non-existent floor. Is a non-existent floor on I, in a I, building, I, right? Maybe you have seen it, it. Maybe I saw it because it kind of brings some memories. Yeah, and the guy, the guy who stars in the movie, I can't remember his name, uh, but he ultimately gets access to the 13th floor, either by mistake or deliberately, and then the whole truth of it starts to unfold. Uh-huh. And again, don't want to give anything away, but um, yeah. uh, he makes some quite shocking discoveries as the movie goes on. And then we move to Dark City. Now, have you seen this? No, I, I have to confess that I haven't seen that one you either. You have to watch this movie. Well, it says that uh, an amnesiac wakes up in a hotel room in a grimy United Metropolis and seems that he made uh, committed a murder. There's a lot of murders, girls. On Again, the yeah. Right? Actually, now that you were saying the same, I was like thinking about this one and I was like, Right. Seems to be a similar yeah. plot. I think the I think the point is that in a simulation, life is cheap. So, mm. so maybe this is proof that we are in a simulation because life because is pretty cheap right? uh-huh. in this world we live in. Mm-hmm. Well, I was just being a little bit philosophical there for a moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, back on the subject. Well, the story is that uh, he f- uh, uh, runs away from the scene. He's pursued, uh, but there's a group of uh, yeah. Of men. Called the strangers. Called the strangers. You have to say it like that. The strangers. strangers. Who seem to hold the key to the Mordok's memory loss and the true nature of the city itself. Which is quite a surprise right at the end of the movie. Okay. Just what is going on in this city? It's not immediately obvious. Obvious what's going on. And like uh, you were ten, uh, saying or writing before... Mm. Uh, this movie actually became a cult, although it was not very successful in the box office. It wasn't. It was completely sidelined, of course, Uh with The Matrix coming out the following year. Uh, Ah, completely, of course. It it didn't have, again, the money thrown at it that The Matrix Matrix had. Uh But, in fact, uh, although obviously The Matrix, the cinematography was stunning... The Dark City, the special effects are obviously of a much, you know, there was less money spent, but it is beautifully shot. The cinematography is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Something that then we have to watch. To- totally worth watching. And I, I see that you've added a movie that causes quite a few people a lot of problems. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So I'm going to let you cover this one. Well, and we can have maybe, or maybe it's not related no. because we are talking now about Inception. Yeah. Because Inception talks about a, a, a virtual reality or a, a reality in dreams. Well, it's kind of like being able to... It's be living in another enter, reality. ...into people's dreams, isn't it? Yeah, which in the end, like we were talking earlier at the beginning, is like living in another reality. Hmm. When you become aware that you are yeah. in a dream, it's like, whoa. Well, it's like... Uh, it's like Neo waking up in the Matrix. Yeah, or it's like lucid dreaming on steroids, right? Yeah. Um, so this guy can, uh, let's say they were calling it like the new ways of uh, industrial espionage, you know, yeah. infiltrating their dreams, That's try right. to obtain secrets and things uh, from people. And because you can do things that you cannot normally do in our perceived reality, Cause we I all would say. Because we all know the dream, the dream of us. I just made that word up. Uh-huh. The dream of us. Copyright, Carl Thank you. 2016. Thank you. Um, doesn't, when you dream, the laws of physics don't seem to apply, do they? There's uh-huh. some really But at the same time, then you ask yourself stuff. if in our real, or what we say, the real world, the yeah. laws of physics are really... Well, they are consistent. We'll give it that. Yes, but wouldn't you make those laws consistent to avoid detection of the matrix <sighs> or of the virtual reality? Yes, we could wax lyrical about this. All yeah, day, of course. We? <laughs> As we, I mean, we spent half an hour discussing this before we started. Exactly. <laughs> actually, we should have started recording 30 minutes before we actually did. <laughs> it was really good stuff. Yeah. So, what do you think about Inception? Of course, at the end, the ending of the movie is something that made a lot of people like, what? What the heck went on yeah. there, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, I think, I think I thought I loved this movie. The yeah. problem is in the people that in my, in my posse, in my, in my peer group, I appear to be the only one that does. And that most, just about everybody I speak to go, oh, that movie, that was terrible. I couldn't understand what was going on. There was too much. In Inception? Or uh, in Inception, right. And, the, and I think the problem with Inception was because ultimately they went into this three-layered reality, uh-huh. dream reality. It's layered, yeah. This dream of us. Well, there's a lot of theory about also uh, the dream, dreaming that you're dreaming in a dream. Right. There is no really, I mean, that's for sure. Right. Uh, and I'd just like to point out Rafa's pointing his finger at me while he's yeah, saying he's, he's getting very agitated. Now. That, that is because I know that. He's, he's, now he's doing it again. <laughs> yes. No, uh, I don't know if anybody that is listening have uh-huh. had this experience, actually. Well, of having of a dream so- and suddenly, dreaming in the dream. Yes. Suddenly that you are conscious that you're dreaming, you want to wake up, but you wake up in a dream. Oh. And I, then you're like thinking you're awake, but you're, you're actually still in the dream. In another dream, or in, wow. that's the layer of dreaming of a yeah, dream. Layers, yeah, it's layers. It's becoming layers until you come back to. Yeah, that is interesting. Like stacked dreams. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. At least for me, have happened a couple of times. Right. That suddenly I'm uh, uh, becoming aware yeah. that it's a dream and that maybe I should wake up. Right. And try to force myself to wake up. Mm. And then I'm awake mm. and doing things until I realize that actually that was a dream. Of course, at this point, I have to say, or were you? Or or maybe I'm <laughs> dreaming right now. 
I'm dreaming that I'm making a podcast with you and maybe because, I don't even know you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, and, and folks, this is without drugs, right? <laughs> <laughs> we can talk like this all day. Yeah, um, for sure. For sure. So, some interesting things there. Yes. And I think it's going to be even more interesting next week. When we do you, the science, you should not right? miss it because mm. it's going to come Professor Horia Pop again to the show mm. and talk more about uh, science and because you know that he's an expert in is a computer scientist, computer scientist and artificial intelligence. That's right. So he will talk more about uh, signing this virtual reality, yeah, so and he, tricking our brain. He is going to provide some certainty in our uh-huh. rambling rumbling arguments and discussions so we look forward to that yes so that's it for today see you next week don't don't miss the show because it's going to be very interesting yes thank you Carl thank you Rafa and don't forget to share your thoughts your opinions ideas whatever you want my name is Rafael Ruiz and we'll talk to you next week down the rabbit hole All names, sounds, logos, and other related items are owned by their respective trademark and copyright holders. This podcast is a production of Dark Mind Radio. Go to darkmindradio.com to find out more. All rights reserved, Dark Mind Radio 2016.